0: What's up, Crypt Nation? Bryce Paul and the notorious pizza mind coming at you, per usual, from the sunny and 70 San Diego. All right, so if you haven't heard yet, Pete and I just finished writing a 290-page book called Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. And we did this so that anyone, anywhere in the world can learn about really how cryptocurrency and blockchain technology are putting the power back in the hands of the people. And really we wrote this to equip the masses with the tools to profit from this revolution. So whether you invest in crypto or something else, the point is that you need to escape inflation, which is a hidden tax on your savings by investing in your future. And we think that crypto is really the hottest market, which has the most upside potential. And we are so confident that Crypto Revolution is the perfect starting point, whether you're the crypto curious or the seasoned investor just looking to learn about the world's newest asset class. All right, the best part is we're giving it away literally for free. Okay, for free. All we ask is you pay for shipping uh, just to help offset the cost of the book. We're literally making $0 on this and are just doing it to give back to our amazing community of listeners. All right, so go to CryptoRevolution.com today and get your free copy.
1: Welcome to another episode of Crypto
0: 101. Bryce, how you feeling today? Brother, you know, I'm coming off of a little cold. Uh, it's not the coronavirus, though. Thanks. Are you
1: sure? <laughs> Hold on, I don't know if we can even do this podcast right now. <laughs> that thing's so contagious, you could definitely give it to me over the computer.
0: You know, it's healing. I feel stronger. It's been a tough three days. And here to make things right and better, is John Rice, Managing Editor of Cointelegraph Magazine. John, welcome to the show.
2: Uh, thank you very much, and um, I was going to turn right off, in fact. I was just going to shut the mic off and get ready, <laughs> you guys. If, uh, if this thing is as, uh, as contagious as you're saying, this, this microphone is not looking very friendly <laughs> right now.
1: Yeah, well, don't worry, John. I'm running malwarebytes bytes right now. That should be able to catch it, if anything.
2: <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, all right, and if not, I'll just set up a contagion zone around my uh, my desktop here. Yeah, exactly. You know, I,
1: I wonder if this is all media hype, if it's being overblown. So that's one of the best reasons that we want to talk to you right now, John, because you have an inside look at the media like we don't. And hopefully you can share some insights that uh, will shed some light on this, this latest craze that really has the world up in
2: arms. Um, almost certainly not. Um, I know nothing whatsoever about whether it's true or whether it's uh whether it's false, but I, I do know that um you you're right about uh hype and about people wanting to kind of um grab clicks, grab views, um and you know, obviously it's created a bit of a panic. It's affecting markets, it's affecting people. So it's uh, it's pretty scary stuff. Well,
1: if we're not gonna talk about things that can affect people's DNA and th- things like that, let's talk about some crypto, shall we? Yeah, why not? Okay, great. John, tell
2: us who you are. What were you doing before you got into crypto? Um, Before I got into crypto, I've actually got a background in marketing and advertising and publishing. Um, I've owned a local media outlet, a couple of ad agencies. I've been a creative director. But uh, right before crypto, I actually moved to Missouri and my wife and I bought a farm. And our goal was to raise miniature Highland cattle. (laughs) From there to crypto is a bit of a jump. But uh, one day, in fact, it was the second day we were here in Missouri, a couple of lads came to fix up my internet because obviously my priorities are very clear. And um, when they kind of realized they were putting up two dishes, one of them said, why do you need two dishes? And I said, well, because, you know, I've run my own business from home for a long time, um, worked remotely for a long time. And he said, oh, so you work with computers. Do you know anything about cryptocurrencies? I said, "Uh, not really. And um, he (laughs) He gave me an essay to read by a guy called Ben Yu. And uh, after reading that essay, I immediately knew this was the industry I wanted to be involved in. And uh, I think it was about two weeks later, I was um, hanging out in a telegram group, got talking to a guy called Han Kao, um, and we co-founded Crypto Briefing. We decided immediately, you know, we were, we were pretty co in terms of our outlook and our vision for what we wanted crypto to be. So we thought, let's just do it. Let's get started. And uh, so we built Crypto Briefing over the next two years. Um, that, that continues to this day. And I left a couple of months back um, when it was becoming clear that, you know, I'd kind of done everything I could for the publication and uh, joined Cointelegraph just this week.
1: That's incredible. And congratulations on uh, the amazing new position. You're now the managing editor for Cointelegraph magazine. You know, we've all read Cointelegraph content throughout the years well, now that they're doing a magazine, what do you think is going to be different about that from their normal website? Yeah, that's,
2: uh, that's a good question. There's basically, um, the, what we're really missing, I think, in crypto is uh, a lot of the stuff that's more based on social impact, that's based on um, verticals, that's based on um, how people interact with the blockchain and what kind of changes it's making to people's lives today, not just tomorrow. And what I really want to do with the magazine is get get people-centric. So instead of writing stuff that um, obviously gets short-term interest, the news, uh, the price action, all of that kind of stuff, this is designed to be a a much deeper look, a much more um, considered look at the space, the history, the context, um, with long-form articles that are, I guess, a little bit more engaging than just basic news. So they've really asked for me to to go out and find the kind of writers who I don't know if you guys were familiar with Breaker Mag, for example. Were you? Uh, did you used to read that?
0: Yep, I've heard of them.
2: Yeah. So they they used to do some wonderful work. Um, in fact, one of the most inspiring stories I ever read in, in crypto was by Laurie Penny on a blockchain cruise that she took um, back in I think uh, either early 18 or late 17. And it was right when that whole blockchain bro kind of culture was really strong. And she wrote this amazing claustrophobic piece, a uh, long format piece about being stuck on this cruise with all of these, you know, Yahoo guys. And it was just wonderful to read. Um, and I think what we really want to do is kind of do more, more work like that, that really examines the space and, and brings alive the stories of the people who are living in it.
0: Very interesting. I'll have to read that one. Who, who did you say it was
2: by again? Uh, Laurie Penny. at uh, Breaker Mac. Breaker Mac. Sadly, is no longer with us. Uh, Laurie Penny very much is. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good. Uh,
2: but it's uh, it's 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 a terrific terrific read. I, I highly recommend it.
0: Awesome. So so John. So there's a lot of big exciting things happening this year. We got a couple. Coins that are going to be going through their halvening, right? We got Bitcoin coming up in in May 2020. We got Zcash coming up in October. I think Bitcoin Cash has theirs. So there's a lot of exciting, uh, you know, fundamental events that are going to be, you know, news drivers. We have, you know, maybe coins like Filecoin launching this year, which did a big ICO in 2017. There's just so many big topics what are some big topics that are really interesting to you that you will be doing a deep dive in? Maybe it's an expose, maybe it's just, you know, what What are you going to be writing about this year?
2: I think uh, when it comes to stuff like the, the the technology and the, the crypto economics, a lot of that stuff, I, I think the, the media in cryptocurrency is already covering. I think they love to do analysis. Uh, it was certainly a big part of what we did at Crypto Briefing. I think, instead of focusing on the price action and how it can uh, um, make people richer or um, you know, kind of how it, how it can be a store of value versus a means of payment, one of the biggest things I'm really interested in is, is the whole philosophy of decentralization. What is the point? Why do we care? And what are the benefits of decentralization? And to that end, I think I'll be f- f- focusing a lot on things like governance, um, on things like social media platforms that give more um, kind of weight to the reader. Um, and on things like uh, delete Facebook, you know, do we, do we really need uh, a monolithic corporation to own us and our data, or do we want to start taking back some control um, of our lives? And and those are some of the big issues that I really want to be covering in Cointelegraph magazine this year.
1: Well, that sounds really interesting. I can't wait to see you when it comes out, I want to uh, just pivot really quick. Uh, what are some problems that traditional media faces these days from your vantage point? Fake news. Well, I think the obvious
2: one. Yeah, yeah, fake news is a huge one. But, but the whole reason that fake news is around is, well, there's a couple of reasons. First off, traditional media has a, a limited number of bu- business models that can really work. And they they tend to be oriented towards either advertising, data sales, or subscriptions, right? So if you're going to uh, use the advertising model, then um, you're going to want to get clicks in order for your advertisers to be exposed to the readers and get value for their money. And that means that you're going to continually write to an algorithm that rewards clicks. Um, If you do subscriptions, then you're kind of, constantly having to churn out really high quality content that isn't available anywhere else, that's deeply expensive to do. And that means that the subscription becomes expensive and people don't want to part with their money when they feel that there's free information out there. And as you say, the the rise of fake news is a direct result, I think, of the fact that uh, social media outlets um, allow it. They have allowed it. They continue to allow it. There's no fact checking. They don't take responsibility for that. And they've allowed themselves to become the platform for news, instead of uh, you know a reputable outlet where news is edited, where it's fact checked, and where it's uh, you know then presented to the public in a manner that's actually truthful. So, so I think that those are some of the major challenges facing um, the industry. But it really is the business model. It's just a very very difficult industry in which to make money these days unless there is. Some tangential reason why you uh, you have a media outlet, and you know you can read into that what you will. But obviously, you know there are uh, large hedge funds that own national newspapers. Yeah. Uh, you know Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, and you might you know speculate as to why people want to own the media uh, for their own for their own gain.
0: Yeah, it seems it seems like you know everywhere we turn, uh, there's always just conflicts of interest, whether it's with politics and like I mean you look at you know, Fox versus CNN, one is clearly right, one is clearly left. Um, and then you have something maybe a little bit more in the middle, maybe ABC or MSNBC. But, you know, do you think that this is inherently right or wrong? The fact that we have, you know, politically leaning news outlets and that people could just kind of opt to, to, to do whatever they want? Or do you think that we should always, that news in and of itself should always be, you know, moderate and centric? centrist?
2: Well, I guess that really comes down to a pretty fundamental question, which is what is truth? And is truth an objective fact or is it a subjective reality? And I think what we're we're really seeing now is that truth has become a commoditized um, entity that is very much subjective. So if you're watching Fox News, the chances are that you believe what Fox News is going to tell you because you already believe what Fox News is going to tell you. And the same with CNN. So, you know, we talk about echo chambers, but what it really comes down to is you're being fed a constant diet of the same stuff that you've always loved. And again, that kind of comes down to algorithms and it comes down to how uh, you know, how these news networks and websites in particular um, operate and how they get traffic, it's by reinforcing to individuals that their own opinions are correct. So you're just basically saying, hey, you, you don't like President Trump? Watch CNN. And then you'll like him even less. If you like him, watch Fox News. You'll like him even more. And I think the same goes on in crypto to a large degree with... Um, you know, or certainly has done historically with some of the media that kind of would would take payment for, for, um, you know, promoting certain stories, certain coins and so on and so forth. And, and And you obviously see that echo chamber on Twitter very strongly in terms of, you know, you can choose who you want to follow. And if you don't like what someone says, you block them. So you never get the chance to actually hear the other side of the story
0: eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform every year. And they're some of our good friends and they're a great sponsor. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets and your fees are extremely transparent. So if you're not ready to trade yet, uh, you could also practice building your portfolio with the eToro virtual trading feature. They give you $100,000 of virtual money and you could start playing around with it and not have to risk any of your real money before you get comfortable with the markets. And best of all, you can connect with 12 million other eToro traders around the world, kind of like a social network for trading, to discuss charts and all things crypto. So go ahead, create an account today at eToro.com slash crypto101. That helps us, that helps you, that helps them, and makes everything possible here if you guys use that link. So guys, start building your portfolio the smart way eToro is crypto trading made easy all right back to the show
1: yeah it's funny because the onion sometimes will joke and tout itself as the most fair and balanced news in the world and sometimes I have to really sit and scratch my head and wonder what really is the most fair and balanced news if there is such a thing where instead of having an agenda they just deliver cold hard facts and information and then. I was wondering, you know, is there any way that the average consumer can determine what is true and what isn't these days? Is there, are there any tools or outlets that
2: you've seen? That's a, a yeah, that's a tough one to answer. Um, in the UK, there was a newspaper that actually tried, I think, very hard to do this. They actually called themselves the Independent. The but the middle is a hard ground to occupy. Um, the more I guess fair and balanced, if and I use that term advisedly, your news actually is, the less it kind of uh, reinforces, again, that, that sort of sense of self that you've developed through digesting the news over, over the years. And, and it's hard to tread that middle ground because people don't really tend to hold both ideas in their head at the same time. There are very few people who truly think with, with great clarity about politics, for example, you know they don't examine every issue on its merits. They just say, "Well, I don't like the way this person thinks or that person thinks," um, and I and I hear it all the time. I mean, people say, and I, I know I keep referring to politics here, but it's probably because it's the most divisive um kind of subject.
3: Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. What I love about this product, is it is a truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Ufi Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Ufi Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Mother's Day is almost here.
4: After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues
2: I'll hear people I know say, oh, I'd never vote for, for Bernie Sanders. He's a socialist. And you say, okay, wh- what's he gonna do as a socialist? If he were to become president, what would he actually do? Well, he's a socialist. And that, that kind of, that, that's the, the level of, of interest that a lot of people take, even in a subject as um, politicizing as politics. They simply don't have the intellectual curiosity to um, find out for themselves anything beyond what they're fed by by the mainstream media
0: okay very interesting yeah i mean i feel like it's all just so reductive everybody just tries like you're saying with you know bernie's a socialist so he's going to do this like people just like to class people in with with just you know what they like to reduce things down to their you know least common denominator but kind of going back to the crypto side you know what's the most interesting crypto related stories that you reported on recently Give us uh, kind of like a TLDR version. Too long to read.
2: Ah, oh, boy. Um, let me talk about a couple. Yeah, the, I guess the most interesting story I reported on uh, Crypto Briefing was the story of SaveDroid. Um, and it's quite a while ago now. It may even feel a bit, a bit dated. But there was a, a German company that raised about $50 million in an ICO. And then their founder uh, disappeared. Uh, He left behind a website with a South Park image that just said, see you suckers or something to that effect. Uh, Posted a picture of himself at an airport and another picture of himself holding a beer on a beach and basically said, I'm gone, done. The office was emptied and uh, it looked very much like an exit scam. Obviously, that was pretty big news. $50 million is a lot of money. And I had the rather um, fortunate... Uh, opportunity to spend a little time looking very very carefully at a picture that he posted of this sort of hand holding up a beer on a beach and uh (laughs) i realized it was egyptian the beer was an egyptian beer um it was a beach so i started looking at the red sea and thinking okay uh where is this guy (laughs) and after several hours of scouring around resorts um i actually found out where he was. got a good google earth uh image in fact taken probably from the very seat he was sitting on and uh kind of sent into our telegram channel hey this this guy is clearly staying at this hotel um and that's where it got a little out of control Uh, because once i'd actually (laughs) once i'd published the story um on you know the fact that we we found this hotel we found this guy at this hotel um, a lot of people suddenly started joining the Telegram group and saying, okay, we're going to go get him. And we started deleting Telegram messages with uh, people saying, okay, I'm a hitman, I know how to find him, and so on and so forth. And it was—it it really got pretty scary. About, I don't know, 24 hours later, the guy resurfaced and said it was all a prank. But to this day, I'm not 100% sure I completely believe that or whether he was scared into, uh, you know, maybe realizing that there's not really any way you can hide if you steal $50 million of people's money. But who knows?
1: I, that was an interesting it was. one. I remember that actually happening. And yeah, it was a huge thing. Um, you know, if anyone has ever been on 4chan, they should know better than to do that. Uh, you can find out anything from the background of an image, if not the exit data. <laughs> so yeah, and then he comes out, you know, a couple days later, like, Hey, I was just kidding. It was all publicity stunt. Like what kind of founder does that? What
2: an idiot. I, 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 it was, it was the stupidest thing. If it was a publicity stunt, it was unutterably stupid. And the fact that when he actually came, uh, he did a video of himself to, to pronounce that this was, you know, just a stunt, but that video was, it it didn't have any distinguishing marks whatsoever. It was a, you know, a curtain background, a a desk, and, and just him sitting, in front of a camera. So it didn't look very well staged to me. And that that was I actually got the opportunity to do a follow up interview with uh, with the guy. And um you know I, I, he he certainly made a good case for it being a prank but I don't think we'll ever truly know what he reintended. Frightening is
1: save droid even still around?
2: You know I I couldn't say. I haven't looked for a long long time. I haven't heard of him again.
1: Yeah, me neither. <laughs> well That is pretty interesting. We would certainly look forward to the next uh, crazy thing you may stumble upon. Uh, Transitioning again, though, this is a question that we've been asking some of our guests recently, and it's something that I've been wondering for several months now. So I want to bring in the rest of the world in on this with me. What's the world going to look like when we can put all these decentralized pieces together? I mean, interoperability is one of the things that people are really really working on hard right now. What's the world going to look like when you have all these different blockchains and services that are decentralized and trustless all working together? What's 3.0 eventually going to build?
2: I'm hoping that it's a an economy based more on trust than on um, the selling of uh, individuals' data um, and just the information that large corporations and governments are gathering on us wherever we go, whatever we do. And that things like the New York Times Privacy Project have shed a lot of light upon. I'd like to think that the uh, individual has more agency in uh, controlling their destiny. And instead of being kind of the uh, product, they become more of the producer. So the, the individual, I think, has a lot to gain from decentralization because we don't know why some of the uh, these corporations are, are harvesting data and selling it. We don't know to whom they're selling it. Uh, we don't read terms and conditions. It was a big joke, of course, when, you know, Apple's TNC used to run to 20 pages when people signed up for iTunes. But basically, you know, there was people, I think you mentioned the Onion earlier. I believe that they at one point ran an article which said Apple, you know, now exercising its right to your firstborn child per their TNC. And, and I think that in the future, if Web 3.0 really does anything, it will be to return some of that control to the individual, take it away from these giant corporations and, uh, and give us more control over our own lives.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I'm really hopeful that uh, it's coming soon. It's really exciting to see all these pieces getting built right before our very eyes. John, thank you so much for being with us today. We just have a few more questions that we're asking all of our guests on the show, and then uh, we'll let you get back on your merry way. Uh, who's one person you admire in the crypto space?
2: There's actually a lot, but I'm, I'm going to go with an unusual choice. Um, I've got a, a friend, his name is Josh Frank, and he is the CEO at a company called The Tie. Um, the Tie is a data provider. Um, they provide uh, various sentiment data, to uh, investors. And they're also doing a a news service. Um, But the reason I admire Josh is because he's, I think he's 24 years old. And he's the, the single person in the industry who I think reaches out for most advice. And every single time I've talked to him, he's just talked to somebody else and asked their advice on how to build his company, asked for their advice on who his users are, his advice on how to uh, package his product, how to design his product, how to build his team, how to raise the money to do that. And, and I really admire people who reach out for advice and then, and then take what they need, discard what they don't. Um, and very few people, I think, especially founders, have that kind of intellectual rigor. So I, I, I'm going to go with Josh on this one.
0: Couldn't agree more. I really like the guy. <laughs> he actually introduced you to us. Uh, and we've spent plenty of time with him, both in LA and down here in San Diego. We really, really like Josh. One of the smartest guys in the industry, no doubt. Um, and, and John, besides the tie, uh, what's another company in the crypto space that, we, that you think that we should uh, be on the lookout for? Somebody that's having the, the greatest impact in the space.
2: I'm going to be a lot more on obvious with this with this answer and it has to be binance has to be. Um, that, that company is extending its tentacles uh, across the entire space. The, um, the blitz scaling that's been re- referenced when it comes to binance is absolutely true. They, they just build 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 and the goal obviously is to become the the dominant force in the industry and and I think that if they keep going the way they are going, they have the opportunity to do that. They have users, they have a very, very accomplished team, and they're, like I say, extending into so many different arenas, uh, investing in so many different projects, and they're starting to make acquisitions at this point, which they can do because obviously they, they're pretty cash cash rich, I believe. Um, I think it would be remiss to, to you know, mention any other company that has the potential to dominate the space as, as well as Binance does.
1: When you say it like that, John, it sounds like the total obvious answer. And in my opinion, it is, yet that's the one that we rarely hear uh, on that question. I think a lot of people want to turn the other way and say, oh, you know, Binance is just this, they're just that, you know, they're not regulated, who really knows. But you can't doubt their body of work in a bear market where instead of, Sitting around twiddling their thumbs, wondering, geez, you know, our volume's dying. How do we make money? They went to work and they probably outworked 99.9% of everyone else in this space and gave their token more usefulness and probably, you know, all but two, three other coins. So, yeah, great job on Binance.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't admire the the Web 2.0, especially the gig economy kind of model that, you know, is. If- by somebody like Uber. I'm not a huge fan of the way they've treated the, uh, their drivers or what have you. But you have to say that what they did was incredibly world-changing. They have literally revolutionized transportation, in, certainly in cities and, and now in countries across the world, just by saying, well, to hell with it. We're going to do what we want. Regulation is slow and we'll catch up. But by the time it does, we will be far, far ahead. And I don't know that that's Binance's philosophy precisely, but certainly their actions suggest that they will continue to outrun, um, you know, the the chasing regulators. And by the time the regulators catch up, my guess is they will be fully compliant. But in the meantime, you know, they're just building.
1: Yeah, it certainly looks that way. Uh, They've definitely left so many other people in the dust, yet opened up more doors to more countries to get into crypto than anyone else by far. Um, and then last, I guess, yeah, our last question of the day already is blown by so fast. If this is the first podcast that someone getting into this space heard, what would you want them to know?
2: I think it's that you belong here. Um, this is, this is a space where absolutely anybody can, can get into cryptocurrency can own a small amount of Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other thousands of currencies out there and kind of start experimenting with that, that sense of financial personal empowerment. Um, and then if they get down the rabbit hole, as we, we always seem to say in this industry, they can start you know, investigating why money works the way it does and why centralization isn't necessarily the best thing for the human condition and why the media works the way the media works and who's trying to sell them stuff and who's trying to, you know, uh, who's trying to help them. But I I think a lot of that, a lot of that is really hard for people to understand. It's very, it's a a very arcane kind of, uh, entrance. There's still a very high barrier to entrance in terms of technology. And I guess I just want people to know that even though there is that barrier, it's still worth it it's still worth it because once you get into cryptocurrency you start to you start to really discover that money can work for you and that you you can start to invest in the things you believe in not just the things that people tell you should be uh you know making you rich um but some of the projects that you know maybe you actually believe in because they have value and you know i use as an example for this beyond me when that IPO came out uh, my wife's sister who's a, a passionate vegan she bought stock for the first time in her life she bought stock in beyond me and I remember saying to her after about three days wow you've done really well you might want to sell that but being in cryptocurrency you would think I'd have had the foresight to realize that when someone is truly passionate about the product they're not going to just sell it they're going to hodl and she's done the right thing she's continued to hold something that she believes in and that supports a cause that she's passionate about and that she thinks has value to the world in general and it's also as a byproduct helped to make her money so i think that that's that's kind of one of the things i'd like people to take away from cryptocurrency
0: love it really good words of wisdom there and something you know one of the mantras that we always repeat here on crypto 101 is, you know, you're in the right place. And, you know, whether it's morning, noon, or night for you, uh, there's people all around the world. This is a 24-7, 365 global market. uh, And it's a retail-driven market. And it's, you know, it's one of those things by by retail-driven, you know, the retail guys are in first before the big banks. And so, it's a grassroots, bottom-up movement And John, I couldn't agree more with you that, uh, you know, crypto is for the masses. It's for a a better world. It's for democracy. And uh, it's for those people that are feeling that they want to, you know, uproot the status quo and turn the world on its head. And I think that's what everybody here is doing. So, John, thanks for uh, that reminder.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. uh, I I just hope that the work that we're putting out there, um, you know, certainly at at Cointelegraph magazine and, and the... The, uh, the website generally is kind of reminding people on a daily basis there there are there are things of value in this industry that are not just to do with price. Um, and decentralization is, is, is primary amongst those things, at least in my mind.
0: Bingo. And John, before we let you go, uh, how do we get, co- like, you know, if people are listening here, how do we get copies of the, uh, or a subscription of the magazine?
2: Oh, it's free. Uh, Magazine.com. Cointelegraph.com.
0: Brilliant. All right, guys, you heard it here first. It's free. Magazine.cointelegraph.com. That'll be in the show notes. Guys, we will catch you next week.